Well, we've been looking at the book of John all semester, and if you've just been joining us, uh, it's good for you to know that we have said that John puts on display to his readers this person of Jesus so that you and I might believe in him. Because John believes, and I think rightfully so, that in Jesus is real, true, capital L, life. And that apart from him, it isn't. And so John is deeply concerned with giving us a picture of who Jesus is. And tonight, we need to remember, y'all, that we are in the final hours of Jesus' life. In a few short hours from after what we read tonight, his boys are about to sell him out. Judas has already left. He's gotten up from dinner. One of his followers has already paid money. I mean, has, been, has, been, has received money and he's going to sell Jesus out within a few short hours. And Jesus is sitting around with the remaining 11 disciples and he's teaching them about what life will be like when he leaves. And by leaving, he doesn't just mean when he's about to die, but that after he dies, after he resurrects from the grave, raises from the dead, after he lives back on the earth for a few short days, and then ascends to his Father forever, they will then do life without his bodily presence in their world. And Jesus tonight wants to offer up comfort for them as they begin to do life on the backside of his leaving. Does that make sense? That's what we're looking at tonight, and we're going to see something profound. But before we get there, I wanted to ask you this question. What if I were to come to you tomorrow morning and say, Hey, I have got to take you to breakfast. Let's get up right now. We've got some incredibly good news for you. It's urgent, and it's going to change your life drastically in amazingly good ways. You see, here's what it is. You have apparently, somewhere down the line, you have a rich, great uncle that you did not know about, that you never knew of, and believe it or not, he has left you some of his fortune. Now, I know, I know, that sounds too good to be true, but it's fun to dream, isn't it? Well, guess what? Imagine now the opposite happening. Here's what I mean. That you knew your parent or your grandparents had done very, very well financially, and then come to find out that when they were to pass away, all that was supposed to come to you by right, in fact, didn't. That might be the worst day of your life. Who knows? Well, guess what? I want you to know that this really did happen. A man by the name of Wellington Burt. I mean, with a name like Wellington, you just got to be rich, right? I mean, he was a a Michigan. He was he was a businessman in Michigan in the turn the turn of the twentieth century, and he owned uh, fortunes in the timber industry. And when he set up his will, if you don't know what a will is, it's that thing that you write to direct where your money goes. And he directed that his fortunes, listen to this, that they skipped not only his kids, but they skipped his grandkids as well. And nobody could touch one red cent of his hundreds of millions of dollars until 21 years after the last grandchild had died. It's very specific. Here's what's interesting about that. If you were one of his family members, you have to got to see that all of those riches, riches, you, would, you could not touch it. 
There was no way of getting at it whatsoever. You could not get it into your life. Well, why share that story with you tonight? Because I want you to see that something that you maybe have never considered before. And it is this, that in all of the things that we've been learning about that Jesus has done for us, that I want you to know that unless you are connected to Him, that all of those riches remain utterly useless and inaccessible to to you. That the benefits of heaven, the promises that He gives, if you are not connected to Him, they are of no use to you. You may remember this quote that we read a few weeks ago when I said this, that as long as Christ remains outside of you, all that He has done and suffered for, for the human race remains of no value to you tonight. So here's the question. How in the world do we get connected to all of the benefits that Christ has on offer for us? Well, y'all, we come to a text tonight that's crucial. We have said that Jesus is soon to die. And as we saw in John chapter 14, Jesus doesn't just want to leave His friends uncomforted. He wants them to know joy and comfort That His bodily presence, the same bodily presence that He was with them, He wants them to know that after He returns to His Father. And as we'll see, Jesus tells them in a weird sort of way that though He is leaving, He's not leaving. That though He is going bye-bye, He's not going bye-bye. And how in the world can that possibly happen? And here it is, that Jesus is promising to give His followers the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That is how He will remain with them, with them, once He leaves. And since the Holy Spirit will be with them after He leaves, all that He has done for them, here it is, can be accessed, can be inherited, can be received by them. All the riches of His life, death, resurrection, His ascension, His present rule and reign, they now have access to it. And that hits you like a bomb going off because it's wonderful. It's absolutely stunning and wonderful. And so tonight, friends, we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. That is who Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. And I don't know about you, but I do not remember many sermons in my life on, if you grew up in church at least, on the Holy Spirit. It was just not talked about that much. And so tonight, I hope this is actually helpful for you. And we're going to look tonight, first of all, at who the Holy Spirit is. Secondly, what He does. And then thirdly, why we need Him so desperately and badly in our lives. So let's take a quick look here. Let's take a look, first of all, at who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, did you see it there in John 14 and 17? Who the Holy Spirit is. 14 verse 17, Jesus says this. He says says this, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Here's what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to tell us about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, there is a lot of confusion. There is a ton of confusion and even and I don't mean this in a bad way, just non-knowledge, we call it ignorance, about what the Holy Spirit is and who He is. Now, the first thing Jesus wants you to see is, is this, that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit is not an it. 
The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is actually a person. And what that means is, is the Holy Spirit is not a force, okay? He's not like, you know, whatever midichlorians are. I mean, that is not what the Holy Spirit is, all right? The Holy Spirit is not a force. It is not an energy. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person of, and here's where things get a little bit tricky, and we're going to go there for a moment, that he is what we call the third person of the Trinity. Trinity. You go, the Trinity. What? I've always heard about this, and it's always seemed so confusing. Well, I'm going to make it so clear in one minute. Here we go. I'm just playing. Basically, it's this. Yeah, right. Okay, let's hear it, buddy. Um, Here we go. Here's what I mean for you to see. That when we talk about persons in the theological sense of the word, we don't necessarily mean skin and bones persons. We mean personalities. And the one God, this is what Christianity affirms, the one God exists in three persons at the exact same time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son being Jesus, okay? The Holy Spirit being different from both of them. Now, this is really interesting. You go, so wait a second. It was like God just like put on a different hat every time that he wants to show up in a different person. No, that's not what happens. Here's what it is. The Father is not the Son and is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son and not the Father. And guess what? The Son is not the Father nor the Spirit. Okay, but they're all one God. Clear yet? Are you clear yet? Clearing things up? Okay, but here's the thing. It's not just that this is true. And here's what I want you to see where we're going. I want you to understand as well that each of the members of the Trinity, each of the persons of the Trinity, each have different roles that they take. And that's going to be very, very important in just a moment. By roles, I mean they each do different things as we think about our salvation. But first I want you to see, first of all, the Holy Spirit is divine and the Holy Spirit is a person. And not only is the Holy Spirit divine, only is the Holy Spirit fully God, equal in power, substance, and glory with the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit is also the one that dwells within you. He is, as one pastor has said, He is the divine resident in the heart of the human being. The divine resident in the heart of the human being. I love that image. Now, why is this so, so important? And why would we ever try to, you know, make sense of things like this? Well, I think it's really, really important because you have to understand that when the Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit, it is not primarily about a force. It's not about an energy field. And what that means is, is that the way that you know the Holy Spirit, because He is a person, is that you know Holy Spirit personally like you would other people. You can know Him, that you can enjoy Him, that you can delight in His presence. And that's what, the, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Saying, I am leaving you. And I'm leaving you in such a way that I will still be with you because I'm sending my Spirit to be with you. To not just be alongside of you, as it were, bodily, like I stand here before you, but rather the very Spirit of God will indwell you, Romans chapter 8 says. Now just, let's just stop for, like literally, put your pens down for a second. Everybody look at me. Y'all ever think sometimes, we, like if you're a Christian, that you would just stop for a minute and say, what in the world are we doing? Like what in the world are we, here's what I mean. If you are a Christian, do you know what the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is telling you? That God indwells you. 
that you have communion and access with God. Think about that for a second. Let that move you. Let that sober you tonight. Let that remind you of the... You have, it's the billions. Access to the triune God because of the person of the Holy Spirit. That is amazing. It's mind-blowing, I know. Now you're like, well, where does He live in me? Like, is He in my liver? No. That's not what I mean. I'm saying He indwells the totality of our persons. That's what He's trying to get at, okay? So, like, don't try to cut yourself open and be like, where are you at? You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't work like that, okay? Yeah, I mean, is He in my spleen or my kidneys? Where is this guy? No, he's, he, 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 lives, he lives within us is the picture that, that, that we're trying to get across. But secondly, and this is where it gets really, really important. Secondly, so we've looked at what, he, what is He? He is God. He is fully God. He is the divine resident in the life of the believer. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's a person. He is a person. And that's very, very important. Secondly, what does He do? Well, here's what I want you to see. That each of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they each have different roles that they take to, uh, at when, when we think about our salvation. And here's what I mean. The Father plans that salvation. The Son accomplishes that salvation. And then the Spirit applies that salvation to individuals. This is very important. Because we would never say in Christian theology, we would never say that the Father... Who was it that died on the cross? It was Jesus, second person of the Trinity, not the Father. Does that make sense? And it wasn't the Spirit either. Do you see where I'm going with this? Each person has a different role that they take. And the Holy Spirit is the person that applies, applies that, those benefits, those, those, all that Jesus has done for us, He applies it to us. Now, that's very important, but here's what I want you to see. Actually, it's more important, and it's what the text tells us. Turn your eyes there when it says this in verse 16 of chapter 14. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Another helper. Now, that word helper shows up a couple of different times, and it might even be footnoted there. It's footnoted in my Bible, and if you look at your Bible, it might say advocate or counselor or comforter. And what you need to know is, is that word is really, really hard for the translators of any translation to actually get at. It's the Greek word paraclete. And a paraclete would have been something like an advisor or something like an advocate. I really like the word advocate. And here's why. How many of y'all are social work uh, majors? Anybody? Awesome. Great. Okay, good. So here's what, think about like this. Think about a social worker who comes alongside somebody and helps them. That pleads their case, that makes their case before, say, a judge if they need something. Or think about an attorney, any of you folks that want to litigate and be a lawyer. Think about it like this. You are representing somebody else. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He is actually our advocate. And that means two things. One, it means that He advocates our case before the Father. But it also means that He advocates what is true in us back to our own self. That sounds a little crazy, but it's, it'll make sense in just a moment. What do I mean, first of all, when I say that He is an advocate? Well, think about it like this. Imagine that you, uh, that you were in court or that you needed something. And you were, you, there was no way that you had the chops and the skills to make your case before the judge. You would need help, right? You would need somebody to do that for you. 
And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit makes the case that we belong to God and that He is constantly, He is constantly our advocate coming to the Father for us on our behalf. But secondly, this advocate back to ourselves, and that is the advocate is always, always, always reminding us of what is true about us. The Spirit's also called the Spirit of Adoption. And this is really, really important because what this is saying is, is that the Spirit longs to remind us of who we are, of who we are. How many of y'all have ever seen uh, the Lord of the Rings? It's the third Lord of the Rings. And it's the scene where, uh, yeah, I don't, most people probably haven't. I know I'm dating myself and I'm a little bit nerdy, so just deal with it. Um, but there's a scene in the movies. There's a scene in the movies where one character, I, I feel so even nerdy mentioning their names. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So the elfin king, Elrond, man, I am married, by the way, so that's okay. Um, uh, the elfin king, Elrond, appears before Aragorn in the movies. And he shows up before him. And he basically looks at Aragorn in the face and he says this. He says, put away the ranger in you and become who you were born to be. Why? Because that character is the rightful king. He is the rightful king of all of Middle Earth. And he's saying it's time that you remember who you are. Y'all listen. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you to remind you of who you are. To remind you of whose you are. And that's the great benefit. You say, oh man, I don't know who... I don't know who I am today. I feel like I feel like I'm losing myself. I feel like I'm being um, that sin is such a struggle for me that I can't seem to love my friends. I can't seem to kick this addiction that I've got. And the triune God that dwells within you is saying to you, "You belong to me. You are mine. I am reminding you of who you are." That is what this means when it talks about the actual courtroom advocate. Y'all, this is staggering. Because if this is true, this is what I want you to see. That God has given us somebody to constantly remind us against our own feelings and against our own emotions about who we really, really are. See, here's what I mean for you. If you are in Jesus, if you are in Christ, What the Holy Spirit reminds us of is that we are loved, that we've been adopted, that we have been regenerated, that we are united to Christ, that we are men and women who are children of the Most High God, that all of these things, the the great promises of God, the Holy Spirit is the one that constantly beats our brains and says, no, Somebody once said it like this, and I love it. Y'all actually know what it's like when somebody like throws an insult or hurls an insult at you, and you're like, "Man, I don't even know. like. I don't even, like. Should I listen to that? Like, somebody said that about me, and you may go, "No, it's dumb. I wouldn't do that." Okay, fine. But here's what I want you to see: the Holy Spirit is the person that reminds us of what God thinks of us. Do you know what I mean by that? Here's what I mean. It really, the world tells you right now, the world tells you, you know what, you, got, you, have a, uh, you have a self-esteem problem. And what you really need is you just need to think more highly of yourself. That's what you need. You just need more self, so just think highly of yourself. 
Or if some of you are really arrogant, so your problem is this, you need not think so highly of yourself at all, right? What the Holy Spirit does is He reminds us that it really has, it doesn't matter what you think of you. It doesn't matter what others think of you. The only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. And what the Holy Spirit thinks of you is that He calls you His very own. That you belong to Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Let's keep moving, okay? So what does He do? We talked about it. He advocates for us. Who is He? He is the personal divine resident in the life of the Christian. And then lastly, why do we need Him? Well, y'all, this is where I think things get really, really interesting. Because here's the answer to that question. Ready? You can't do the Christian life without Him. You simply can't. You, you simply cannot do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Because He is the one that shapes us that changes our hearts, that reminds us of the promises of God. He is the one that mashes them down into our hearts. Can I share an illustration for you, with you? There's an old uh, preacher, one of the greatest theologians that um, the church has ever seen, but certainly the best theologian that ever came, off, came out of America, and his name was Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards uses this, this illustration, and I think it's brilliant. The Holy Spirit makes all of Christ and all that He is for us, His love for us, real on our hearts. I'm going to to explain that in a moment. Real in our hearts. Y'all know what it's like to have a head knowledge of something, right? But then you know the difference between you know something intellectually and then when you know something at the level of your heart. Does that make sense? When you can say something is true, but then when you can say that something is real. Does that feel different? You know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, a true statement, but does that move you? Maybe some of you mathematicians. I don't know, right? Yeah, you're like, yeah, Pythagoras, woo! Um, Anyways, uh, the point is, is that the Holy Spirit makes things real for us. And here's the illustration. There are two ways that you can know that honey is sweet. If you've never tasted honey, which I'm sure all of you have, I could say it's golden. It's amber. And it's got the sugary sweetness to it. And here's what it feels like. It's sticky. It smells sweet. And I could say, it's like, and what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I got a scent. I mean, but it's another thing altogether. What? When honey's put on your tongue. When you've experienced it. When you have tasted it. It's the same way. It's making it describe to you a juicy steak. And this, you know, you've got to get the steak, man. And blah, 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 blah. It's so amazing. Blah, blah, blah. You put the thing in your mouth, you know immediately what's going on. A good glass of wine. Whatever it is for you, right? The idea of a sense experience. What the Holy Spirit does is He is the person that makes all of these things real for us. Real on the heart for us. He takes those things and He makes them real for us, y'all. And that is brilliant and beautiful. This is why we need Him, because without Him, there can be no experience of the Christian life. Why is that so important? Because there are some people that would say that all Christianity is about is just knowing facts. To be a Christian is to know facts. And I want you to know that's not what Christianity is about. It's not, it is that, but it's more than that. 
Does that make sense? And there are others over here that would say, the only thing that really matters in Christianity is just experience. It's experience, experience, experience only. And you know what? That is not what Christianity is either. What Christianity says, it's both an objective reality wed with an experiential reality on the heart. It is to know that honey is both golden and amber, but that it's sweet too. Does that make sense? This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He takes the real things of Christ and makes them sweet for us. One more thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit before we wrap up. J.I. Packer, he's a famous pastor, theologian, and he once said this about the Holy Spirit. He said this, when floodlighting, y'all know what floodlights are, right? Okay, when floodlighting is well done, the floodlights are placed so that you do not see them. In fact, you are not supposed to see where the light is coming from. What you are meant to see is just the building on which the floodlights are trained. The intended effect is to make it visible when otherwise it would not be seen for the darkness and to maximize its dignity by throwing all its detail into relief so that you can see it properly. This perfectly illustrates the Spirit's role. He is, so to speak, the hidden floodlight shining on the Savior. Here's why this is so important. The Holy Spirit loves to be hidden. He loves to not be the point. The Holy Spirit's work is always one of these. Look at that guy. And make much of Jesus. He is The whole point of the Holy Spirit is to shine light on the beauties and the glories of Jesus and what He has done for us. The Holy Spirit does not like the spotlight. He's not somebody that that is front and Jesus, He is always, He is the Spirit of Christ. He is the one trying to highlight the magnet, oh, the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. That is the work. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Can He be known? Of course. But He's not the superstar. And what that means for you and me, dear friends, is this, that the truly Spirit-led life will always reflect that. The life that is always making much and celebrating the, the, the magnitude of who Jesus is. Why is this so important? Jesus is soon to leave His friends. And did you see what He said in John sixteen seven? He said this, It is for your advantage. For your advantage that I go. Now think about that. Jesus is saying, It's better that I leave. It's better that I'm not around so that Holy Spirit will come and that He will make these things real for you. And here's why, as one pastor says, what is greater than having Jesus with you? It is having Him dwell within you. Having Him dwell within you. That is amazingly good news for us tonight, dear friends. Let's pray. It's appropriate to pray to you, Holy Spirit. It is appropriate to pray to you because you are fully God. You are fully divine. You are personal. You desire to be known. And yet, the work that you delight in is to cast great light on Jesus. And yet, we see you throughout the Scripture. And so, we know that that you 
are working to make all of the things that Christ has done for us real for us. You apply all these promises and make them real. You make the gospel sweet. Well, we pray tonight that you would do that. That you would open up our ears. That you would teach us about yourself. That you would show us the work of Jesus so that we might live. It's understandable why you would send your spirit, Jesus, when you leave because that is how we see you. We can't see you apart from the work of Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to see Jesus clearly. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.